Welcome to the Redeemer East Harlem podcast. We pray this message leads you both to know and show the love of Christ in all areas of life. We will now dive into our scripture reading, followed by this week's message. Today, God speaks to us from John chapter 13, verses 3 through 20. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I am not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen. But this is to fulfill this passage of scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. I am telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Very truly I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. The word of the Lord. Amen, amen. Good morning, Redeemer. Amen, amen. Let's give God some praise this morning, Redeemer. Amen. Give him glory. Let's give the Lord a hand praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Has he been good to you today, Redeemer? I need somebody here who can help me out today and say that God is good. Yes, all the time and all the time. God is good. Come on, let's give him some more praise. Amen. He's good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 And, and maybe my Hispanic brothers on this wonderful Puerto Rican Day Parade celebration can help me out and answer me when I say, ¿Quién vive? Cristo. Amen. Y a su nombre. Gloria. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Redeemer East Harlem. Spanish Harlem today. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Coming from the Midwest all, all the way to Spanish Harlem this morning, I want to give honor to God and also Pastor Justin for inviting me. It's such an honor to be with you all this morning and just to continue the worship. We go from singing to tithing, and now we sit under the authority of God's word, and we're going to hear what the Holy Spirit is going to blow in this room today. So let's go before the Lord. Amen. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the word that was just declared unto us, and we do say thanks be unto God. We recognize this is your word, and we recognize that we're in your house, 
And we recognize, Lord, that where two or more gathered, there you are. We don't take it lightly, Lord, that you gave us another day. It's been a really crazy week in the city of New York. And so, Lord, we're even more thankful that you give us breath, that you give us air in our lungs, Lord God. We thank you for giving us another day, and we don't take that lightly, Lord. We recognize we are in the temple of God, and we are in your presence. So, Lord, as we sit under the authority of your holy word, Lord, we ask that I might decrease and that you might increase. May we not leave this place the way we came in, but may we be transformed on today by the hearing and the application of your holy word as we seek to live out the faith that you have entrusted to us in a public way, as you have called us, Lord, in this very same gospel to be your witnesses in this world. We thank you. We give you all the praise, honor, and glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, Redeemer, give him some more praise. Give the Lord a hand praise this morning. Amen, amen, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I hope it's okay if I give y'all some of my St. Louis Black Church tradition this morning. Uh, but I am so glad to be in uh, this house of God because we know whether we're from St. Louis or from East Harlem or from wherever we're from, if we are part of the body of Christ, we are family. Amen. And, and we have a public faith that we are called to live out uh, in St. Louis, in Harlem, and everywhere that we might find ourselves. And I'm so, I'm so glad to be able to come into this series and to just fellowship and worship with you all. We're actually in my church in St. Louis that my wife and I lead, uh, which will be right after this service. Um, and we actually in a similar series where we're talking about our core values. And that's how I know we fam, like Pastor Justin said, we went from the academic stuff to we being homies, you know, that's, that's my homeboy. And, and we have a similar vision of what it means to be the church in the world. And we're wrestling with similar issues. And so I'm just excited to be coming into this study of the Gospel of John with you all this week in the 13th chapter. And the sermon title that I wanted to give to you all today in this topic of a public faith is the master servant. The master servant. Because we all know who our master is, amen? And his name is Jesus. And as we come to this passage we're actually at a transition point. Some of y'all might know that a lot of people have talked about the Gospel of John as being in two major sections. People talk about the first 12 chapters being what's called the Book of Signs, where Jesus is giving signs of who he is and pointing to his identity as the God-man, redeemer of the world. And then the transitional passage is what we come to today, whereas in chapter 13, now, when it signals that it's just for the Passover feast, we get to the last few days of Jesus' life, and this section has been often called the Book of Glory. And it really shows the full divinity of Christ as the ultimate Redeemer and Savior of the world. But one thing I love is that even before we get into the awesome power of God and how he conquered death itself, that he took on flesh and died and rose again. And we see Jesus and John, perhaps more than all the gospel writers, shows Jesus in the fullness of his divinity and power, that we begin this so-called book of glory with a very unglorious act and a very unglorious type of thing that you wouldn't think a master would do. Jesus got down and dirty and washed some stank feet and some dirt off of those feet. And so... Jesus is master, but he is also a servant. He's the master servant. And service is such a core part of what makes us believers and how we live out this public faith, our lives 
and our churches must be indeed defined by service. My, my, my wife, uh, Deanna, I'm, I, as I mentioned, I'm from St. Louis, Missouri originally, and my wife is from out here. She's from Jersey. I don't know if we got any Jersey people in the house today, uh, but she's from, oh, dang, it's like that New York. Come on now. We need reconciliation. The Lord said the, broken, the dividing wall of hostility that's called the Hudson River has been broken down in Jesus' name. Yeah, she's from Newark, New Jersey. I'm going to represent forward today. We actually come out here in the summer times because my wife's from out here, and we, we, we want to engage her side of things, her culture. and our, our, We have two daughters, and we want them to be exposed. That's why they're not here this morning. They're, they're at the parade right now. And they were like, baby, I love you. <laughs> we heard you talk before, but that's why we came here. And so I'm like, what is wrong with these people putting the Puerto Rican parade Sunday morning at 11 o'clock? Y'all know Puerto Rican people love Jesus? Now you done made a hard decision for people. Do they go to church or they, you know, but, but, but they're over there enjoying that immersion. And my wife, she brings her culture into my St. Louis community that does not deserve her. Uh, but we're trying to grow in our cross-cultural competence. You know, she makes the, I'm, I ain't trying to talk about nobody up in here. Um, I know everybody, mama's cooking is the best, but I'm sorry, my wife, uh, she got it on point. And her empanadillas, her pastelillos are the best you have ever had in the world. I'm just trying to tell you. And if you think I'm wrong, come try them. And she brings them to my my Missouri context and my people be like, ooh, I love these tacos. And she just be like, oh Lord, we, we don't know. But, but my wife, you know, I, I run my mouth, but my wife actually creates community. Because people, when, they, when we have gatherings and all that, they don't come to hear me, they come for them empanadas. And when she serves and when, you know, it just makes me think about how service creates community. And so service is what God did to create community. It brings people together. As I mentioned today, I got to bring you into my St. Louis style today. So, Redeemer, I wonder if you mind looking to your neighbor and say, neighbor, service creates community. Amen, amen. I know we reform, but we can get a little black church up in here today. We can do both, can't we? Amen. And so we see Jesus creating community at the beginning of this so-called book of glory. And I want to, you know, talk about this and understand how that we are invited into a similar kind of service when Jesus washed their feet. I wanted to read, actually, an excerpt from a theologian. I'm a church historian, y'all. I'm sorry. I got to get a little nerdy sometimes. But there's a church historian named Afrahat. And Afrahat is actually the first Christian to write in the Syriac language. This is a very important language that took the gospel from what's now Syria and Iraq, but it actually spread all the way across the Asian continent, all the way across the Silk Road. Syriac-speaking missionaries took the gospel through the Silk Road down to India, to Sri Lanka, and all the way to China, and even down to Indonesia and Malaysia, all before European colonialism. So, to, And actually the first theologian to write in this language was Afrahat. He's called the Persian sage. He was from the Persian Empire, and he lived in a very tumultuous time where the, his empire and the Roman Empire were fighting. We usually hear about church history in the Roman Empire in the West, but this is a name that we should really know as well. And he actually wrote one of the first systematic theologies called the Demonstrations, or in Syriac, the Tahwitho. And he actually wrote it in a Semitic style of an acrostic, where going to the 22 letters of the, alpha, of the Syriac alphabet. And he talks a lot about public faith, about how Christians should engage, and it's a comprehensive text. But in it, he mentions this washing, and he said, but Israel was baptized in the sea in the night of Pascha, the day of salvation. And our Savior washed the feet of his disciples in the Paschal night, which is the prefiguration of baptism. You should know, my beloved, that only from this night on our Savior administered the true baptism. 
For as long as he tarried among his disciples, they were only baptized with the baptism of the priestly law, about which John spoke, repent of your sins. And in that night, he revealed to them the mystery of baptism, of suffering, and his death. As the apostle says, you are with him through baptism, buried in death, and rise with him by the power of God. And so in this text, Afrahad is doing what a lot of the Syriac theologians love to do, and they would love to have what in the West has been called a typological theological hermeneutic, but in the Syriac language, there's a word called rose. Somebody say rose today. We're going to learn some, uh, some, some, we're going to decolonize our faith today and learn some different terminology. And so rose is a word that means symbol, uh, but it's a, it's a very pregnant word. And when he says that Jesus prefigured the baptism, that the, the baptism of the Hebrews going through the Red Sea was a prefigure, this, the Syriac word is a rose, it's a symbol, it's pointing towards Jesus Christ. In the same way that Israel passed through the Jordan River before the conquest of Jericho. And in, all of the, in the same way that the ark was saved through the waters of the flood. That these are roses of the baptism of Jesus Christ. Not just of the washing of feet, but of our salvation through sin and death. And so in the same way that Afrahad encourages us to see Jesus' actions here as a symbol, as a sign, as an indicator of where to go. We coming over from Jersey this morning and we listening to the little GPS telling us where to go so we don't get off on the wrong roads. And the GPS was telling us, and they, 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 they first was telling us to go over the Lincoln Tunnel, then they changed up at the last minute and told us to go over the GWB. And I'm dependent. I've never been, I don't know what I did in life before there was GPS. I was probably, you know, not acting very saved on the road many days, but I thank God for ingenuity and helping me know because we have to follow the signs in the way of life. And so in the same way, Jesus shows us how we live a life of service that makes community possible. And I want to specifically look at the actions that Jesus took because we know that what Jesus did was very shocking. That's why Peter was like, What's, no, no, you don't do that. You're not about to do that, right? It would be like, you know, in my church tradition, it would be like having the pastor, you know, sitting in the balcony or on the back. No, 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 we, make, we part like the Red Sea and make a way for the pastor to come up in the front, you know, sitting in the seat of honor. And Peter was like, you'll never wash my feet because Peter had an understanding of what a master of what a Lord is supposed to do. And Jesus had to change that paradigm. And he said to Peter, you will be blessed if you do likewise. Do you understand what I have done for you? Is what Jesus is trying to instruct them that just as Jesus washed the feet, that also we are supposed to do that for each other. And now foot washing has become a regular tradition in Christian ceremony. In fact, me and my wife, when we got married, we're coming up on 18 years next month. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, and, and we had a foot washing ceremony in our wedding service. Uh, and then we had a little, we had, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a little tall, as you can see in my, my, you know, my wife's, uh, uh, you know, uh, different height. And, and we had, we had, we actually had a little joke after we did the foot wash, she got on a chair and we did our kiss and everything. Um, but the, you know, the ceremony is one thing. It's cool to, you know, wash each other's feet. We just had a little water, but the marriage of service and living life together, that's where the real ministry of marriage comes in. And so in the same way, Jesus is showing a symbol of what he's about to do, the ultimate sacrifice of laying down his life for his beloved. And so, but Peter didn't understand it. The disciples didn't understand it yet. And then he flipped from wanting to protect Jesus's idea of his authority. Like, no, 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 that's too low for you, Jesus. You know, feet in Middle Eastern culture, even today, feet are considered disgusting. They're considered like offensive to even show your feet. You don't look at people's feet. And especially back in them days, people walking around in sandals, they dusty, they dirty. 
Now, we already see that foot washing was a part of the Hebrew culture because even in the Old Testament in Genesis, like when the angels came to visit Abraham, he said, here, here's some water to wash your feet. He would say, here, y'all go ahead and wash your feet. I ain't, I ain't going to wash your feet, right? You would, if you're hospitable, you let somebody else wash your feet. That'd be like in COVID days. It's like, here, here's some hand sanitizer. But Jesus didn't just hand you some hand sanitizer. He said, come here, give me your hands. And he rubbed that hand sanitizer. And he, he, was, he was exposing himself to all kinds of germs, lowering himself, right? And Peter didn't understand it. Then he tried to flip to the other extreme and said, oh, well, then wash my whole body, right? He's trying to be hyper-religious and put it in his own hands instead of just following Jesus. So he's trying to protect Jesus' pride, and then he's trying to elevate his own. But Jesus saying, you don't get it, Peter. It's all about service. It's all about washing feet. That's how we, he is the master servant. And I want to look at a few of the, just like Afrahat says that these are roses, that they're symbols of how we are to act I want to look at the actions that Jesus did and how these are roses of his own gospel story and also how they can be roses of how we are to act in our public faith with the world. So it starts off in verse 3 saying, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So Jesus' self-humiliation was rooted in a confidence of knowing who he was who his true identity was. In the same way, we can lower ourselves in the same way we can reject worldly accolades and seek to do the funkiest thing that somebody could possibly think of like Jesus did, knowing on the confidence of who we are in Christ Jesus, that we are sons and daughters of God. You are a son and daughter of God. If you have been redeemed by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, you are a child of the Almighty. You don't need no accolades from the world. We don't need all this worldly pomp and circumstance because the master of the universe, I'm showing my 80s right there. Some of y'all know that reference. Um, he has called us his child. And so that's all we need. We can have the same confidence. And so he says in verse four, so he got up. There's seven things Jesus did. I want to look at verses four and five. Seven is the number of completion in the scriptures. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And so, looking at this again, the first th let's look at what the first thing Jesus did. First thing he did is he got up, right? In verse 4, Jesus got up. And this, we can understand, is a rose, is a symbol of Jesus getting up off the throne of heaven and coming down into earth and taking on flesh. And so in the same way, the first step I want to say, what we can practice from this is in our public faith is we need to go. Just like Jesus went, we also need to go and to go into the least likely places. In our, in our church in St. Louis, we just had a, 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 you know, one of our leaders straight up like put medical school at an Ivy League place on pause so that he could come in and live in the projects in St. Louis. And if anybody ever been to St. Louis for like, it's, I know it's rough around here in New York, but, but you know, it's, it's, St. Louis is, is you know, it's, it's pretty rough. And so this brother came in there to just come in and live with a family, one of our families in our church that's in the projects on, on Section 8. And I'm just like, who does that, right? Nobody seeks to go live in the projects, especially when you're in an Ivy League situation. But only Jesus can make us go into and actually seek the things and the context, the margins of the world and say, that's where I want to be. That's the opposite of what the world teaches us. So we got to get up and go to the most marginalized. 
And then the second thing he did is that he got up and then he took off his outer clothing. This is a rosé of Jesus taking off his divinity, putting it to the side and taking on humble flesh. The God of the universe was born and raised in the hood. God took on flesh in a backwater colony of the Roman Empire. He didn't, he didn't incarnate in Rome. He wasn't impressive. He wasn't really good looking. There was no beauty or majesty that attracted him to him. He put aside his glory and he emptied himself. He took off that robe. And so in the same way, the thing we need to do is we need to be humble. We need to also strip off those worldly ideas of pride and pomp. And we need to focus. We got to have a focus on, just like Jesus for the joy set before him, had a focus on serve, seeking the, to bring health to the sick. Not coming to heal the healthy, but the sick. That we also have to have that focus. It is so hard to have focus in the world we live in. Even in the body of Christ, we are trained to celebrate pomp and circumstance. And it is so hard to keep the focus of saying, no, we ain't about all that. We ain't tripping off of all that kind of stuff. We're focusing on the kingdom of God. And oftentimes, the kingdom of God will call us into what the world sees as foolish or what the world sees as undesirable. And so that's what we have to do. I, I work with a, a Native American seminary um, and I was so, I was just so blessed and baffled also by, I was just talking to, uh, you know, a brother, a friend of mine, white brother. He was just, uh, had a faculty position at an Ivy League school that he left to come and work at this, you know, little Native American seminary that got like, you know, a handful of people in a small budget that nobody's ever heard of. Left this really prestigious thing. Why? Because he wanted to come in and support this particular institution and wash the feet. And I love how his example also talks about power. Amen. Because, you know, we can, we, we can wash each other's feet, but when we start talking about power and when we start talking about redistributing power and sharing and serving and washing feet in ways that really cost, that that's a whole nother story. Jesus washed their feet, their literal feet, which was a powerful symbol, but then he put his life on the line and did it where it really cost. And sometimes washing one another's feet, especially for the marginalized among us, will cost in a serious way. And so we got to stay focused and not get off track with, you know, some of the other things. We, we, we do this all the time. We just had a, a member in our church. We had two. I, I was so proud of my church because they uh, I, I were trying to instill this spirit of really being conscious of not being distracted by the, again, the, the hierarchies of the world. We just had a, a, a sister in our church, um, you know, in medical school, and then she just got into a residency program at Harvard for brain surgery. That's like, you know, uh, again, and that's, that's good, praise God. But then we also had a young man in our church, 19, just graduated, got his GED, and then got into a job corps program and doing construction. And I was so glad because, let's just be real. Can we be real, Re uh, Redeemer East Harlem this morning? Let's just be real. The, most people's eyes would tend to get wider on the first person that I mentioned than on the second person. Let's just keep it real up in here. But I was so glad that my church, when we were celebrating both this sister and this brother, the applause and the reaction were no more different. They weren't stronger for the sister that was going into brain surgery at Harvard than for the young brother going into the Job Corps program and getting his GED. If anything, might have been stronger on the second one a little bit because of the systemic issues that make what he, this brother has accomplished even more implausible. And yet, with the power of God, he has been able to do this. And so we have to be thinking about this all the time and stay in focus. The third thing is Jesus put on a towel. So in the same way that Jesus took off his divinity, laid it to the side for a minute, he also put on human flesh. He girded himself with the towel. And so in the same way, we have to prepare. Jesus prepared by taking on flesh 
He prepared to bear our sins and experience everything we experience. And so in the same way, we have to prepare, we have to gird ourselves to serve. The people in my church, like, you know, like I mentioned, St. Louis is a very different context than, than New York City. And so, uh, you know, again, I mean, we just, you know, man, seeing all the flags today is just amazing, right? We don't got that where I'm from. It's a very homogenous kind of place. But we're starting to become a very big city for refugee resettlement, and our, our population is starting to grow. So right in our community where our church is, we have a large undocumented community from Central America moving into our neighborhood, which is otherwise almost all African American and, you know, low-income community. And so the people in my church... They are learning, you know, mostly Af our church right now, mostly African-American folk from the community are learning how to speak Spanish. And my wife is teaching them how because they want to be prepared to welcome and serve the brothers and sisters that are coming in. We got to gird ourselves and be prepared to serve in a public way. Then Jesus poured out the water. He poured out the water, which also is a symbol, is a rosé of, of his blood and water flowing that brings salvation to all the world, that he poured out himself to bring salvation. So fourthly, we also have to pour out the water of the gospel. Y'all, we have the message of hope that the world needs. We have the message of freedom that comes from Jesus Christ. We have to pour those things out, and we do that through our proclamation. We proclaim the gospel with our words and with our lives, and we bring that out into our community and into the world. And see, like I said, God has to work on me because my mind's not often on service and washing feet. The other day, I was, uh, I was in Houston, like Pastor Justin mentioned, I was at an event for my seminary, and I forgot my phone charger. And, and I was so mad because I was trying to call my wife. It was late at night, so, and I didn't have no charger, so I went to the gas station around the corner. It was the only thing I could find. Hotel didn't have nothing. I'm like, come on, y'all, paying like all this money for this room. I go, I go to the gas station, and then the nice lady behind the gas station counter let me use her charger. I was like, y'all got any chargers? And, you know, I got this iPhone stuff. They only had Android. I'm like, come on, man. And so, and so then this nice lady let me use her charger behind the desk. And so I'm just standing there. She, I'm letting my phone charge. I'm like, you know, at least like 25%. My joint be, you know, charged and slow and so then I'm just like I'm tired I'm cranky then this you know young lady like starts talking to me just chatting so what are you doing and I'm just like in my flesh I'm just like leave me alone like dang I'm just I want to go to bed I don't feel like talking to you right now I wasn't trying to get into a conversation I wasn't even trying to come out my hotel room and charge my phone up so that I can have some energy until tomorrow till I get back to campus and get charged up I'm just I'm just so and this is a nice person let me use the charge don't even gotta let me don't even gotta be helping me out but I'm just in my mind but I'm just I'm engaged in the conversation but I don't want to be and, and then start to ask me, like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I teach. Oh, what do you teach? Oh, I'm at a seminary. What's that? And I'm like, oh, my God, leave me alone. Like, just let me, just give me, is, is it on 25 yet? I just wanted to get to 25. And then, then this woman starts asking me about, like, what does that mean, seminary? What does this mean, Christian? Da, da, da. Then, y'all, I get sent to start sharing the gospel. Like, and then it's like, but this person, they kind of pulled the gospel out of me because I, in my flesh, I wasn't trying to go there. But again, then I had to just be obedient. After the fact, I was like, God, you wanted me to be in that gas station at that moment. But I don't, I don't want to serve. Again, it's not my natural inclination to serve. But we have to proclaim in East Harlem. We have to proclaim wherever we at the good news of Jesus Christ and pour that water. Then number five is he washed their feet. He poured out water, then he washed their feet. And so in the same way that Jesus did this debased thing, we also have to lower ourselves. We have to become lower. We have to acknowledge the things of the world, 
that are higher, and we have to actually seek those things which are lower in the world that we work in. And so, again, for me, uh, we're, you, know, uh, you know, again, it's about, uh, we have to think about power and redistribution of power. And so, as a, you know, I'm like, how do I apply this as a scholar? That's my day job, right? And one of the things that God has been putting on my heart is who I, not only where I teach, you know, I teach in, you know, PWIs, but also work in an HBCU seminary. And also, I've been thinking about even who I publish with. And I've noticed and I've seen firsthand because I've even published with, uh, you know, PWI uh, publications. And then I've also published with black and indigenous publications. And I see the unequal distribution of resources and platforming and all these kind of things. And so I try to, you know, live this out and encourage my colleagues to do the same of not of of publishing even in publications, but it's so much harder. I'm literally in the process right now of trying to, I got a third book coming out this uh, fall, but I got a fourth one in the pipe. And I was like, you know what? I really want to publish this with a black publisher. And it is so much harder. I'm actually, I just, I'm just, I'm talking and I'm in negotiations with one right now. And I actually have to pay them up front to publish it. And so I'm like, you know what? That's cool. I want to do that. It's harder. It's, you know, a lot of times it can be harder to go to the margins. It can be harder to lower ourselves and do those things to support seed, uh, kind of seed-based community initiatives. But we have to do that. And we have to lower ourselves oftentimes and not always seek the things of the world that are higher. Then number six, Jesus dried their feet. So in the same way that Jesus washed us through the redemption of sin, he also he also rose again. He got up again with all power. And so in the same way, we have to equip. Just like Jesus, by drying their feet, he equipped them to go out again on mission. We also have to equip people in the margins. We have to equip people who are the least of these. I know in, in New York City, we got issues here. Uh, I was just in the Bronx preaching on Friday night. And again, this is another example because I was, I was, you know, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Latino Pastoral Action Center up in the Bronx. But if you don't know, y'all be definitely get hip. That is a great organization to go to. And, and I'm just saying, I was so proud. Now, earlier that day, I had a meeting with this advisor group that I'm helping out with with the Met Museum. And so, again, uh, you know, one of those is like just keeping it real. One of those is a prestigious institution and one of them is not as well known. And so I really wanted to put it on social media and really promote this other South Bronx initiative that I was uh, talking with because, again, this is what it looks like to really be conscious about not following the things of the world that are popular. We can be involved, and in, I'm involved in different sectors, but to really, like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, give greater honor to the parts of the body that have lacked it. And then what did he say? Our presentable parts don't need special treatment. The literal Greek word is they don't have need. And so God's people are called to wash the feet. And so, But I was talking with uh, Bishop Ray Rivera up there, and he was talking about the housing crisis in the city right now. And I didn't even know because I'm from a city that's abandoned. But talking about people are getting pushed out, getting shuttled around, people up in the Bronx, families getting cramped, like a whole family in a bedroom and just all this kind of lottery and all this crazy stuff. God's people here have an opportunity. And this is happening all kinds of places. But God's people have an opportunity to do something different and to wash the feet. I was, I was up in Boston at, preaching at a church last week, and I was so blessed by the feet washing story that I heard. They're, they're having the same issues in Boston. Gentrification and people from the community can't afford to stay in the community no more. I was talking with a, you know, a white sister. She was a missionary kid, urban missionary parents and all that kind of stuff. Grew up in the community, but, you know, parents moved in to do ministry. And she bought a home recently in this, you know, what was the hood. Now it's getting priced out. And 
a fellow member of the church, African-American woman, you know, from the community, born and raised, you know, single parent household, all that kind of stuff, um, was just kind of sharing how hard that was to see somebody who was not really from the community so easily get property, whereas she's generations deep in that community and still can't even, you know, afford to, in, in her 50s and can't afford to buy property in her own community. This white sister was so moved by that, she sold this other sister her house at like a really, really good rate. She lost money on the sale, but did that in order to help this other sister be able to now, for the first time in her life, become a homeowner in her own community. That's foot washing right there. That's foot washing that, that, that is, again, sharing power and empowering one another. And then finally, Redeemer East Harlem, Jesus sat down again. After he had washed their feet and dried them and sent them off, Jesus sat back down. Just like after he rose again in all glory, he took his seat at the right hand of the Father. And in the same way that Jesus also sat down, he enjoyed his glory. He fully participated again in the perichoretic community of the Trinity in his glory. Now, in the same way, our foot washing is towards an end. It's not an end in and of itself. But as I mentioned at the beginning, service creates community. The end goal is community. God is a perfect community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he created us so that we could be in community with him. So our service in our community and in our world should work to restore the communities of the world. We have to work towards restoring and finding our identity in that. And I have a personal connection to the city of New York, even though I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, but I grew up in the community that I'm living in and doing ministry in. But like many people uh, who grew up in those kind of contexts, I wanted to get out. I was like, deuces, I don't want to be in this community no more. I want to get out and get better because uh, getting out is, is associated with better. And I was my freshman year of college. I took a mission trip to New York City, and I was down at the Bowery Mission, and I heard a sermon on John 4 from my spiritual father at the time talking about how Jesus had to go through Samaria. He didn't go around Samaria like other people did because they didn't like the Samaritans, but he had to go through Samaria and how we build highways to get around uh, communities or we push people out. But Jesus seeks to serve, especially those at the margins. And God pulled on my heart saying, Vince, like you being the first one to go to college and your family, you being able to do these things and get out, it's not just for you but it's so that you can be a blessing. And that was when God called me to come back into my community and even doing, you know, uh, systems of theological education. Like, you know, uh, uh, I, I teach at Fuller, but also that was when God put this heart to really make theological education more accessible to folks in communities like East Harlem or like North St. Louis, people who don't have access to them. And that what led to the Meacham School of Hymenode, only African-American uh, graduate level seminary that teaches from a theologically biblical standpoint. And again, the glory goes to God, but I'm just saying that it was right here in these streets that God helped me understand that when I was wrestling with what I want to do, and oftentimes we think, what do I want to do? And uh, like, kind of like, what's my calling and all that? It, it, for me at least, uh, and what I see in the body of Christ is that as a body, our calling and our sense of passion and even what gives us passion has to be connected to serving and washing the feet of the most marginalized. It gets us, sometimes it gets me out of my head and just kind of my own existential crisis and just be like, let me walk, it, let me walk with my brother and my sister who got their lights cut off. Let me empower, let me work to empower and wash the feet. This is where I find my identity and it helps create community because that's the end goal of service is that it makes us all be able to be together. Like Snoop Dogg said, it ain't no fun unless the homies can have some. 
Now, he was talking about something else that I ain't talking about today, but I'm talking about it ain't no fun unless all the homies can have some of that Jesus because Jesus is the one who washed our feet. He washed all of our feet. When God came and created us from nothing, he washed our feet. And when we fell into sin, he still washed our feet and made a way. And he said, I will crush the head of the serpent. Jesus washed our feet when he gave us the law and showed us our need for salvation. Jesus washed our feet when he took on flesh and he was born a stank manger in the hood around stinky feet. And yet he bore our sin. Jesus washed our feet when he was baptized and walked in the desert and showed us how to do this thing. He was the rose of Israel who walked in the desert in sin and Jesus did it with all perfection rebuking the enemy with the word of God. Jesus washed the disciples feet and showed us to go and do likewise and that we would be happy blessed if we do otherwise. The road to happiness is not the American dream of the statue stands for but the road to true blessedness, makariosness happiness is service is washing stank feet is looking for the stank feet. Where are the feet in our neighborhood that need to be washed? I don't want to just give hugs I don't want to just shake hands. I'm going to be like Jesus and look for the feet I want to do the lowest thing possible and serve those feet because that's the master servant that we serve because he washed our feet in the most powerful way when he got up on the cross and he took our sin and he paid the price that was on us the punishment that was on us he took it for himself and then he washed our feet when he got up again in all power and he rose again and said all power on heaven and earth has been given to me just like he said here in John 13 and now with that same power he commissions us to live a public faith of washing feet and therefore creating the beloved community that he intended from the beginning. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you washed us. Lord, all of us were born with dirt on us that we couldn't clean. But Lord, you washed our feet. That was an unexpected thing to do, Lord. Lord, we live in a, a world that has certain values, Lord. And they're usually not the same as your values. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to get up and go to the unexpected places, Lord. That we would keep that focus on you, Lord, and not the things of the world. That we would prepare to welcome those and to serve those on the margins. Help us, Lord, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to be okay with lowering ourselves sometimes and to equip and to restore the world around us. Lord, as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper right now and remember the way that you washed our feet on the cross with, with your blood, Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged today to remember that our feet were washed. And because of that, we can wash other people's feet. We can serve, Lord, because we serve the master servant. We thank you, Lord, and we worship you. We honor and adore you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Redeemer East Harlem podcast. For more information on our church, 
and how you can support what God is doing through our church, go to www.reh.nyc. 